Is anyone even going to listen to this? God, I better make some money from this. All right, start recording now. My Spectacular Life. A memoir in the key of storytelling from Thomas Rose. Chapter 4. A Rose by Any Other Fame? The album was out and it was a hit. Well, it was on everyone's phone, which makes it a hit by my metrics. It even got a 99% on Thomas Rose Tomatoes, the website I use to compile my favorable reviews. A lot of the positive reviews did note that the lyrics were so good they felt like poetry. Can you imagine if Edward was a poet? What a pussy he would be. And there was, of course, the famous pan and pitchfork. I try not to think about it. You know, the writer Jeffrey Lobkovich actually became quite famous based on that awful review and his ensuing disappearance. I just want to say one last time, for the record, that I had nothing to do with that. And sure, I was seen on his block the night before he disappeared, but so were a lot of people. And what about the Invisible Man? He could have been there. Anyway, good riddance to bad rubbish. And uh, good thanks for a good attorney. I should probably tell you about my attorney, Ruth Marshall. Ruthless Ruth, they used to call her. She turned down the OJ case because it was too easy. She's been with me through crimes and misdemeanors, as my personal friend Woody Allen likes to say. Funny little guy. My life had changed overnight. I was famous now. I couldn't even walk down the block. They were filming something on my street. A very prominent musician called it the New Beatle Mania. And that prominent musician was me. Did the fame and money change me? <laughs> I moved into this incredible high rise in Manhattan with the help of the Property Brothers. We had this insane housewarming party with live music by the Pointer Sisters. The whole thing was filmed by the Safty Brothers. I hate being an only child. And this time I was having parties almost every night. One interesting myth I'd like to dispel is people say that when you're famous, you get all these hangers-on, staying at your house all the time. Most people that came to my parties left after half an hour, citing bad vibes. I think part of the problem was, and it pains me to admit this publicly, I was an incel. Madonna was like a virgin. I was the real thing. Before every party, I covered my bed in roses just to make it romantic, but no one ever slept there with me. It was a tragedy like the brothers Karamazov or Hannah and her sisters. There's an old saying in the music industry, being a famous musician is easy, being a virgin is hard. My life proved that to be true. But I couldn't just be down in the doldrums. I had a tour to go on. The record label had set it up begrudgingly. It was going to be 25 cities in 300 days. How was I gonna manage? We barely had time to spend two weeks in each city. I was sweating the whole time, though that might have been the cocaine. 
even though I was performing alone, I still made the record label get me one of those giant tour buses. I would just walk up and down the aisle, singing and getting my steps in. The bus driver loved me. One thing I found interesting was that the shows were not well attended. Must have been the economy, of course. Oh, the label was furious, but I was an optimist. You see, I told them those crowds are one-eighth full. Nights on the tour were crazy. Drinking near the bus driver, doing coke near the bus driver, waking the bus driver up during his brief periods of rests. I say rests? Rests? Retake. <clears throat> Rest. Rest. <clears throat> rest. I was out of control. There wasn't a drug I didn't take on that bus. You name it, I took it. One night, things got so crazy, I actually grounded up the bus driver's heart medication and snorted that. You should have seen the look on his parents' faces at the memorial. I got back on the road with a new bus driver, and things were going pretty well. But one night, we ran out of alcohol. I told the bus driver, and he said, You've been using an open container on the bus? That could cost me my job. I said, You don't want to drive around while I drink? Then what the fuck am I paying you for? We found a compromise. We pulled off the highway and found a bar so I could drink and he could seethe. This was a real cowboy joint. Men spitting tobacco on the floor. That horrified me, because I was spitting my tobacco into a plastic bottle. I didn't think there was a woman in the whole place. Until she started singing. I looked up at the stage and fell in love at first sight. She was the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen. She had these insane curves. I went towards the stage with a tape measurer to try and find out the numbers, but the bouncer tackled me. The bus driver was a real wet blanket. He was begging me to leave that place so we could make up the ground we lost. He kept saying, I don't get any overtime pay, and you're not even buying me drinks. You see, we had different priorities that night. I was trying to fall in love. He was just trying to drive in bus. Which of those sounds better to you? I decided it was time to make my move. So I just walked right up to that stage between songs, went up to her and said, You could be a songwriter. You're so fucking ugly. Now, the second part might have seemed a bit harsh, but it was part of a strategy I'd been reading about for picking up women called A Star is Borning. Unfortunately, she wasn't a fan of this strategy, and neither was her husband, one of the cowboys at the bar. He punched me in the throat, and I said, You stole my voice. Then he knocked me to the ground and beat the shit out of me. Why did he do that? The worst part was, the singer even jumped off the stage and started kicking me when I was down. The bus driver had to carry me out of the bar fireman style. I tried to take one last look at the singer, but my eyes had swollen shut from the beating. 
I had broken ribs and a tooth knocked out, but worst of all, I was lonely. I didn't get it. I was successful. I was a piano player. Shouldn't there have been women crawling all over me? I mean, look at Elton John. He was married to Princess Diana. The tour was almost over, and my spirits were low. But then I got a phone call that changed my life. Uh, edit point, maybe do like a phone call sound effect. Oh, I guess I have to do it. Um, <clears throat> bring, bring. The screen read Grammy. Now, at first, I ignored the call because I hate both of my grandmothers for reasons I will not get into. But then I realized what was happening. I picked up the phone, and it turned out I had been nominated for Best New Artist. I popped a bottle of champagne to celebrate, and the bus driver yelled at me. I said, what are you, worst new bus driver? He hated it. But I wouldn't let that bus driver bring me down. I was a Grammy-nominated singer. This was the best day of my life. The only problem was, I looked in the mirror and I'd gotten a little bloated. I think it was my tour diet of french fries and opiates. I needed to get in killer shape. I decided I would lose weight in the traditional method by practicing Krav Maga and using illegal diet pills. It's funny, I had gotten so lazy on the tour, but once I had this singular goal, I was able to get all this energy from just exercise and diet and amphetamines. In the weeks leading up to the ceremony, I was back in New York City. I'd filled my apartment with mannequins, to which I'd taped pictures of the other nominees in the Best New Artist category. I would practice my Krav Maga on these to keep my body tight and my mind sharp. The whole thing was very healthy. The night of the Grammys was a night I will never forget. I walked down that red carpet and everyone completely ignored me. Out of respect. It was music's biggest night. But things didn't go as planned. The next day, the New York Post called it music's biggest blight. I thought that kind of sucked. Well, I guess I should tell you what happened. A lot of people refer to the events of that night as the bloodbath at the Grammys. Well, I like to refer to it as the misunderstanding at the Grammys. When they announced that the winner of Best New Artist was Bruno Mars, I saw red. And I'm not talking about the Taylor Swift album. I can't even remember what happened. It was like all these years of resentments and sexual frustration and substances, they all erupted in this volcano of Krav Maga. It was a blind rage. And don't Americans love blind piano players? <laughs> look, the footage is everywhere. You can look it up and decide who was in the right. Me or my victims. It would be tasteless and legally unwise to go into vivid detail, but all I'll say is this. Bruno Mars didn't even use that leg. Also, I find it very convenient that in every report about this, none of them mention that I was blackout drunk. 
but uh, I've said too much already. There was a lot of carnage that night, but perhaps the biggest casualty was my road to success. It had hit a detour. I was tried in the court of public opinion, also in actual court. Luckily, I had Ruthless Ruth on my side. The state thought that they had an open and shut case, but what they didn't realize is that I was being tried in front of a jury of my peers, and my peers love to be bribed. Due to a mistrial after 200 days in court, I was allowed to walk free and focus on my music. They're actually making a miniseries about that time in my life, and I'm being played by Cuba Gooding Jr. But I didn't know that then. All I knew then was I needed to win back the public with my second album. But how would I write it? Tune in to Chapter 5 of My Spectacular Life. Stop recording. This is hell. Recording a memoir is hell. This is worse than fucking Guantanamo.